This is Father Patrick Briscoe. This is Father Joseph Anthony Cress. Welcome to God's Planning. On today's episode, we're going to be reflecting with you about the Christmas readings. This is one of our Lexio episodes. We're so grateful to all of you who like and subscribe to the podcast. If you don't already, please take a moment to follow us. You can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, any social media platform, basically, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Father Joseph Anthony, in the days that leading that are leading up to Christmas, these are some of the busiest days for us as priests. It's not quite the level of Holy Week, but it it, it can be pretty demanding. I, how how are how are you doing? How are things going down there? In it's Charlotte? a different flavor, man. I mean, it really is a different flavor. Um, there's a certain type of intensity that takes place with Holy Week because every single day of Holy Week is like a different, very intricate liturgy that you only do once a year. Um, where Christmas is, it's just like it seems to be kind of like a, a steeper mountain that there's more to do um, because there's just, you know, so such more uh, high traffic through the church during that time. And mm. then you add in the kind of curveball of winter weather. So you're like, oh, not only are we going to have to deal with all, all of the, you know, high increase of foot traffic and visitors and families, but now we have to worry about whether or not we're going to have a blizzard. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's chaotic. It's good. Jesus is Lord. And yeah, we just keep on, keep on keeping down. One of the things that we do here in the house of studies is that we get sent out to hear confessions all over the area. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. something, it's something that I really love. So I've been out at a couple places hearing confessions in these nights. I went out Sunday night, went out last night, uh, to, to big penance services. And that is so moving. And I just kind of say, so last night, I was out uh, at a parish in Northern Virginia, and I heard confessions opposite the bishop of that diocese, Bishop Burbage, who sat who sat and heard for over two hours, along wow. with twenty seven other priests in this parish, hearing confessions that night. It was really amazing. But I I think the reason I mention it is just because it, you know it's so edifying, so great mm -hmm. to see a bishop out. Uh, really loving and serving his people in these days leading up to Christmas. I mean, he was there with all of his brother priests because making a good confession before Christmas is important. And he yes, wanted it is. to support that. Yes, it is. I agree. And I, I want to encourage that too. <laughs> so it was, it was deeply edifying. It's, you know, it's just so awesome to be a priest in those moments and uh, to be, to be able to be that vehicle, that minister of mercy. Well, let's go ahead and turn to the Christmas readings then uh, to prepare ourselves for this for this mm -hmm. holy celebration for the nativity of the Lord's birth. And um, there are so many different uh, sets of readings for the Christmas masses because you have different ones. Uh, just for our listeners and our viewers to understand, we will be um, reflecting on the masses from the vigil mass. Uh, we kind of talked a little bit about before we hit record and we're like, I think the majority of people will probably go to a Christmas Eve mass and a vigil mass. So mm -hmm. that's why we are reading this set. Um, so if you do end up going to mass on Christmas day and there's a different set of readings, um, it's okay. That That's fair game. But just so that you know, uh, for all of our listeners, we're going to be uh, reflecting upon the vigil mass readings for the nativity of our Lord. We'll start with our first reading for that uh, liturgy, which it comes from the prophet Isaiah. For, for Zion's sake, I will not be silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet. Under her vindication shines forth like the dawn, and her victory like a burning torch. Nations shall behold your vindication, 
and all the kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name, pronounced by the mouth of the Lord. You shall be a glorious crown in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem held by your God. No more shall people call you forsaken or your land desolate, but you shall be called my delight in your land espoused. For the Lord delights in you and makes your land his spouse. As a young man marries a virgin, your builder shall marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Already at Christmas, we're looking forward to another great feast in this reading, <laughs> which I know is a funny thing to say. Well, focus on what's going on right now, Father Patrick. Okay, well, I, I, I will, and, but we'll, always, we'll already look forward to the epiphany. Why? Because here, the prophet Isaiah is talking about the glory that all kings will see in the coming of Jesus. Uh, that's one of the most amazing things about the Christmas season is that we hear all of these great titles that belong to Christ, that he's the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings. All of this comes from the book of Isaiah. We're pointing to Christ's royal heritage, to his divine right to lead us to uh, the, the one who will reign, that Christmas as a, a great celebration is the coming of his kingdom. So when we begin the Christmas season with the feast and the nativity of the Lord, we begin this celebration uh, that Christ, the King of Kings, has come. We worship him, the King of Kings. Uh, and we look forward with expectation to the Feast of the Epiphany on the, on the end of the Christmas season. The very end of the Christmas season, of course, is the baptism of the Lord. But this year, that feast falls on a Monday. So the end of the Christmas season that we'll see in Sunday Masses will be the Feast of the Epiphany when the kings of the earth, the three wise men representing all the kings of the earth, when they come and they kneel at the feet of the Lord and do him homage, they're recognizing Christ, uh, the one Isaiah foretold, who would come to us as the king of kings. So in this great prophecy of the coming of the Lord, um, we see a lot of spousal imagery, you know, which is really, really important. And uh, we see that that's how our Lord presents himself throughout, you know, his ministerial life is he continually presents himself as the bridegroom coming uh, for his bride, the children of Israel. Uh, but there's also a phrase that Isaiah keeps using in this, uh, in this specific prophecy that is very important for us. He keeps speaking about how the Lord will delight in us and you will be my delight, says the Lord. Um, this is something that I, I've come across a lot in the campus ministry. Both our men and women uh, really struggle with the understanding that our God delights in us. And this is the greatest witness of it. This is the greatest like kind of manifestation of this promise, this desire that the Lord God delights in us, his children, is by taking on our humanity. And this is what we see in the prophet Isaiah. Is not only is these just words, these are not just empty words, but these are words full of presence. These are words full of the divinity that God enters into our humanity. And the reason that he does that is because he delights in us, his children. And I know that's something that may be hard for people to understand. It may be hard to grasp the fact that somebody else delights in who you are. 
But this is what the prophet Isaiah proclaims so directly, so uh, unabashed in this prophecy is that God delights in us. And the witness of that promise, the witness of that reality is the fact that he takes on our humanity to become one with us, to reside with us, to accompany us, to always be present with us, and to delight in us. Let's go ahead and turn then to the second reading, which is from the Acts of the Apostles. When Paul reached Antioch in Pisidia and entered the synagogue, he stood up, motioned with his hand, and said, Fellow Israelites and you others who are God-fearing, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our ancestors and exalted the people during their sojourn in the land of Egypt. With uplifted arm, he led them out of it. Then he removed Saul and raised up David as king. Of him he testified, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will carry out my every wish. From this man's descendants, God, according to his promise, has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus. John heralded his coming by proclaiming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was completing his course, he would say, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. Behold, one is coming after me. I am not worthy to unfasten the sandals of his feet. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here we have the account of Paul's preaching. And it's something that we have kind of seen um, presented to us throughout the entirety of Advent, or the majority of Advent has centered around the image of John the Baptist. And here in the second reading, in this kind of Christmas liturgy itself, we find John the Baptist. And it's St. Paul as he refocuses on that, kind of gives a postcard version of salvation history, you know, um, throughout the the exodus and all that has gone up to it the kingship of king david so it's a really brief like super postcard version but he then zeroes in on john the baptist again and he continues to reaffirm because even at that time you know questions were um still circle circling and, and um swirling around but paul gives that clarity that john the baptist had this depth and clarity of understanding about who Jesus was. And to clear that confusion, he speaks so directly and says, what do you suppose I am? I am not he. And it, it allows it to turn the focus to Christ. And so in this, in this place in the liturgy, this like second reading is right before the proclamation of the gospel, we find that we are encountering John the Baptist who's able to turn our focus directly upon Christ and saying, this one, this Jesus, in the words of, uh, in the writings of St. Paul, Jesus is the one. All focus should be going on him. And it's allowing us to enter in, in that really proximate way to the gospel on, on Christmas Eve, that it is Christ, the one who in him, through him, and with him, all things were made. 
and all things find their their redemption in that. And so that's why I, I love these final words of the second reading that are leading us into the gospel. And it borrows the words of St. John and it's through the lips of St. Paul, but it's allowing us to focus completely that is all about Jesus, the one that we're about to hear proclaimed in the gospel. We hear a few times in the Christmas liturgy, this idea that Jesus saves, Jesus is the one who saves, right? This, for example, is the, the very meaning of his name, Jesus. You will name him Jesus. This is what the angel instructs St. Joseph, right? You will name him Jesus, uh, which means God saves. And as you said, Joseph Anthony, as you pointed out in this great preaching from Acts, uh, from the book of Acts of the Apostles, we hear this postcard of salvation history, but, th but that can seem very far from us if we overlook the important truth in the spiritual life, uh, which is that if we are declaring that God is the one who saves, that Jesus saves, that Jesus Christ has taken our human flesh to save us from our sins, we do not save ourselves. <laughs> and I think just as you were pointing out that uh, the, the important principle from the first reading is to have confidence that the Lord delights in us, I would say the principle for the spiritual life from the second reading is that we are not our own savior, that Jesus Christ saves us, and that this salvation is what we're longing for. We see this, we see this every day when we wake up and we see another horrible news story. We see uh, so, many, so, many, so many fears, so many concerns about the state of the economy, the future of our country. Uh, our children and their own, their own, uh, their own growth, and what our kids are experiencing. When we complain about movies and television, the whole thing, right? All of that, all of that is put at the feet of Jesus. Well, we might say late at the manger, <laughs> Christmas. All, all of that is brought before the Lord, uh, because Christ, in declaring that Christ saves, in declaring that Jesus Christ is our Savior, we're declaring that He is the one who can take care of all of it that he's powerful enough. And that is, in fact, what he has come to do by taking our human flesh and being born as a baby in Bethlehem. So in summary, Jesus saves, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that that should definitely be the title of this video. Um, anyway. <laughs> With that, right, why don't we why do yeah. we turn to the gospel? We're moving to the gospel. Let's roll. Um, so this is the gospel according to Matthew. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham became the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah became the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez became the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab. Aminadab became the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Zalman. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz became the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed became the father of Jesse, Jesse the father of David the king. David became the father of Solomon, whose mother had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon became the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abisha, Abisha the father of Asaph. Asaph became the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, Joram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah became the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah became the father of Manasseh, 
Manasseh, the father of Amos. Amos, the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the Babylonian exile. After the Babylonian exile, Jeconiah became the father of Sheetiel. Sheetiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud. Abiud became the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok became the father of Achim. Achim, the father of Eliud. Eliud, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar became the father of Mathan. Mathan, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of her was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. Thus, the total number of generations from Abraham to David is 14 generations. From David to the Babylonian exile, 14 generations. From the Babylonian exile to Christ, 14 generations. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention, when behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. For it is through the Holy Spirit that this child had been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took his wife into his home. He had no relations with her until she bore a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, I got to spend the week with the Dominican nuns in Summit, New Jersey. And uh, their chaplain had some surgery. Please pray for Father Gregory Salomone. This is not our Father Gregory from the podcast, but a senior priest of the province. Um, So I was subbing for him as he was recovering after a back surgery, uh, saying the daily mass for the nuns there. And on Saturday, uh, which is always the case on December 17th, on Saturday, we heard this gospel, the genealogy of Jesus. And when we come to this gospel in the daily liturgy, um, again, it's read every year on December 17th, it signals that Christmas is really coming. We're getting very close. And it's like the, it's like the moment, right? Okay. So we're there and the nuns tell me that there's a visiting Dominican who is going to celebrate the mass. And I said, that's great. And they let me know that he was going to preach and all that was arranged in advance. And of course I knew what the gospel was. And even though he is not a native English speaker, I was like, yeah, go for it. You can take that gospel. <laughs> you, you ride that one out. So I just, I just let him, I just let him get all the names, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he did to this friar's credit. He's a French Dominican. He did a marvelous job and he preached a very moving sermon. Uh, the main point of which I'm about to steal and share with all of you. <laughs> 
I thought you were so going he... to compliment me on how I made it through all the names. And oh yeah, you did and fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good job. Oh, <laughs> gold star. Okay. okay, tip. Father Joseph Anthony, typical millennial, needs a gold star. Okay, gold star <laughs> on reading trophy. That's right. On reading the names, Father. Excellent. We all admire it. And you're so talented. Okay, you. so okay. <laughs> so what did Father Mark preach though that I found so interesting? He said to the nuns there at the monastery, do you not have in your history a list of all of the names of the prioresses of this monastery? And he said, in the Dominican order, we have a list of all of the names of the masters of the order going back to St. Dominic himself, you know, back, mm -hmm. back to the very first master to our founder, St. Dominic. So we can tell you all of the masters of the order. In the church, we have a list of all of the supreme pontiffs. So from Pope Francis all the way back to St. Peter, an un, un, unbroken, you know, an extraordinary continuity. Here in the list of names of the 14, the three sets of 14 generations, here in all of these generations, we have the history of Jesus. Just like we keep all of our other roles of human history, the history of Jesus comes down to us and is handed down to us, letting us know where he is from, showing us that he has entered into our human estate. And what I thought was so marvelous about what Father Mark's point was, is that keeping a record is what you do in order to keep a history. Mm -hmm. And by listening to all of the genealogies here, by listening to, to the genealogy here, to listening to all the names, all of the ancestors of Christ, the main point that is being underscored is that God has entered our history, which was extraordinary. I'm, I'm very impressed that you are giving credit to Father Mark for that, because that's a beautiful point. I would have just stolen that <laughs> and claimed it. Um, but you're a better man than I am. In, in typical um, me fashion, uh, I'm gonna take this gospel and focus on St. Joseph. Uh, mm -hmm. there's what 80% of this gospel is just a list of names, which I still think I did very well with. Um, and I love, I love the rhythm that's happening with the names. Like there, there's just a certain kind of rhythm that takes place, uh, which I love about it. So I actually, I love getting to proclaim this gospel every year, um, in Advent and Christmas, but I want to look at where that genealogy ends and it picks up about the actual birth, right? Now, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ comes about. And it's actually St. Joseph who takes the center stage here, which I find is absolutely beautiful. And we see that in this response, right, this, this unbelievable, this almost earth-shattering moment for this carpenter from Nazareth, his betrothed is, is found with child. And this is, this is hard for him to understand. This is hard for him to figure out. And he's trying to process. And you can think about the anxiety and the, the terror that's going through his, his life at that moment. And in response to that, he decides to take a nap. And it's a unique response, but the Lord speaks to him there. And I love that. You know, and there, there are times where it's like, yeah, we get stressed out. And yeah, there's times that it's like, I just need to take a nap. And that's okay. But what I love about this, and I was, I was praying about this or praying with this text earlier this Advent. And what I never noticed is 
in this gospel text, um, in Matthew's gospel here, there is a really, 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 really unique relationship between St. Joseph and the sacred name of Jesus. St. Joseph was the first to receive the sacred name of Jesus, and it was entrusted to him. And I know that there's a lot of um, struggle out there with people's uh, sins of speech and struggle with taking the Lord's name in vain. But it was St. Joseph who was first given that holy name, and he was entrusted with it, and he held on to it, and he revered it, and he reverenced it until the day that this child was born. And this is the very last line of this gospel here is that he named him Jesus. And that is the name that we reference. That is the name that has a power and that every knee on heaven or every knee uh, on earth and under the earth bows at that name of Jesus. And it was that, that same name that was entrusted to St. Joseph. And I just, I, I, I love St. Joseph and I see such beauty and honor in how he reverenced and how he carried the very name of Jesus and think of that moment that he was able to utter it for the first time holding uh this child so as we move into you know this kind of christmas season which is exactly what it is and the celebration that'll be because it's it's a great season and, and father patrick mentioned how many sundays we get and where the christmas season ends but i think it's important to move into it that if this is a proclamation that we proclaim on the vigil masses that we enter into it in imitation of saint joseph that every now and then we get a chance to take a nap. That's okay. Let's go for that. Increase your devotion to St. Joseph by taking a nap every now and then. But also that we enter into it by reverencing and carrying the name of Jesus close to us, just as St. Joseph did, into that one day where he got to utter it, looking into the face of his God. And we may be able to do the same. Thanks everyone for joining us as we contemplate these great readings. Uh, we hope that this episode helps you to enter into the mystery of Christmas and to pray well throughout the Christmas season. To all of those who support us on Patreon, we really appreciate it. If you're not yet a Patreon subscriber or a Patreon supporter of our podcast, um, we would be very grateful if you would make a donation to us. It helps us uh, to upgrade our equipment and to incur some of the other costs of running the podcast. We're looking forward to some upcoming events. We're going to be at St. Louis at Seek in the new year, which is going to be a blast. Uh, we'll record a live episode there. Stay tuned, though, for a host of other upcoming God's planning events as we enter 2023. Know above all, though, of our prayers for you. And please continue to remember us in your prayers. Merry Christmas. God bless. God bless.